Good morning, church family. Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 34. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the gatherings, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what happened to the demon-possessed men. 
And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their... Let's pray. Father, your word is good. It is true. And Lord, we are broken. We are distracted. And I just ask that you give us wisdom. Not wisdom that comes from our intellect or comes from uh, what we can just mentally muster. But a wisdom that comes from your spirit. Give us a deeper understanding of who you are and who you have called us to be. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we have been studying through Matthew. And for the past several weeks, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount. And it is incredible. Now, this morning is kind of the back end of our Neighbors and Nations week. And man, it's a good week for us. It seems like an odd thing to say about Neighbors and Nations, this emphasis to go about it being good for us. It's good for our heart because it gives us as believers a clear definition of the worship Jesus is due. And we're going to see that theme right here in Matthew chapter 8 and build out really throughout his entire Gospels. See, what has happened is Jesus has just preached this incredible sermon in which he has called into question their view of righteousness. Who are the blessed in the kingdom of God? And when he is done, the people are blown away. I mean, they are just marveling at Jesus and his teaching. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 28, it kind of wraps up this way. Matthew says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Now, there are probably many things we could be astonished about in Jesus' teaching. But it's really important for us to just pause and catch what happens next. Because they're not astonished at just his delivery. It's not his style. It's not how he, he was just some great orator. That, that's not what's happening here. Matthew gives us a very clear description of why they were astonished. Verse 29, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribe. Jesus was teaching them as one who had authority. Listen, their scribes were great teachers. They did it for a living. They weren't bad at it. It's not like, oh, wow, this is the first time we've heard somebody put sentences together. No, it wasn't like that. Jesus taught them as one who had authority. Absolute authority. And it just blew their mind. That's our big truth. The first one that we're going to see this morning, Jesus has authority over his creation. Matthew is going to jump into chapter 8, and he's going to begin to give us these examples. He's making a case for you and I and his reader that Jesus has authority over his creation. He will continue to make this case all throughout his gospel and even end with the Great Commission, Jesus' kind of final words to the disciples in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And so what I want us to do real quick is I just want us to unpack some implications, some big ideas that we see here in Matthew chapter 8. Some examples that Matthew's using to help us understand the authority of all heaven and all earth that has been given to Jesus. First, there is no sickness he cannot heal. See, in verse 3, there is a leper, and Jesus touches him and says, be clean. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. He goes to Peter's house, and there's Peter's mother-in-law, and she is sick with a fever. And again, Jesus touched her hand, and the fever left her in verse 15. In verse 16, there had been crowds that had followed him after the sermon. There were around, crowds have gathered around him. And it says, he healed all who were sick. Now, before you just go and think Jesus is some great doctor, I want you to understand, this is one of those old videos. You ever seen those old videos? Do not try this at home. The people in this video are trained professionals, right? Like, pay attention to what Jesus is doing. He is breaking all the rules. There is no social distancing. He is well inside of six feet. He is touching the leper. He's not wearing a mask. Now watch. Why? Because there is no risk to Jesus. There's absolutely no risk. You and I aren't going to go up to a leper and touch them. But for Jesus, there is no risk because there is no sickness outside of his authority. Jesus wasn't just a good doctor. He is the creator, the sustainer. He is the sovereign God. As we sang, he is the word in the beginning that spoke all things into existence. It is under him. And so Jesus, when he speaks, he immediately cures them with just a touch or a word. Matthew makes this case even beyond time, space, and matter with the centurion's servant. The centurion's servant is paralyzed. He goes to Jesus and says, heal my servant. You don't even have to go. Just speak the word. The servant's not even present And Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. There is no sickness he cannot heal. Second, there is no storm he cannot calm. There's this storm. They've got on a boat. Jesus is sleeping. He's my kind of guy. I'm just going to go take a nap. I like that. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is sleeping. He's taking a nap. Meanwhile, the disciples are on the boat And, uh, man, it is a mess. These are fishermen. They're used to being on a boat. They think they're going to die. And so they wake Jesus up. Do something. Help us. And in verse 26, Jesus rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the disciples concluded in verse 27, even the winds and the sea obey him. Nature, creation, under his authority, just a word. Next, there is no enemy he cannot defeat. 
There's no enemy he cannot defeat. In verse 16, not only had the sick been coming to him, but those who were possessed by demons, and with the word he was casting out the spirits. And in verse 32, there's these two demon-possessed men, and they're so violent, so brutal, they won't let one person pass by them. And Jesus approaches them. And in verse 32, all it took was him saying, go. So they came out and went. This idea that you watch these movies and there's some great battle and some extra, listen, there is one authority and one power and that demon can't throw out a word if Jesus does not allow it. And we see that time and time again in the Gospels. There is no enemy he cannot defeat. And I'll give you a bonus looking ahead to next week. Matthew's going to continue this theme, like I said, all throughout his gospel of presenting Jesus and his complete authority as God. And there in chapter 9, we are reminded that there is no sin he cannot forgive. In verse 2, Jesus says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven Oh, and the people who were listening like, whoa, wait a minute. You, you can't do that. Only God can do that. But in verse 6, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. See, Matthew is proclaiming Jesus has authority over all of his creation. He has authority over our lives, and he's begging you and I to ask, what is the right response to such a big truth? And we know that response begins with an authentic repentance and saving faith, the recognition of who he is and his authority. But for those of us who are in Christ, who there is present in our life a saving faith and repentance that has turned and cried out to him as the son of God who paid the penalty for our sins that we might be adopted into his family. For us, how do we respond to such a big truth? Well, obviously we worship, but what does that worship look like? I think Jesus helps answer this question, and this is what Matthew is building to as we read through the Gospels. And again, going back to the Great Commission and the end of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, verse 17, Matthew says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Do you see it? The authority of Jesus. Now watch for the charge response. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, worship is going Worship is going and making disciples of every one. To go is to worship. To worship is to go. Watch, we proclaim 
to all nations, go to all nations, proclaiming the authority that is found in Jesus. We're charged to proclaim and worship. We're charged to call for a response. That gets like pressed out in a lot of our practices today. And by the way, real quick pause. We're going through this really quick today. In a minute, I'm going to call uh, Pastor Mike up on. He's going to uh, join us. We're going to talk a little bit practically about how we send disciples at Tri-Cities Baptist Church and a few other things. The notes that are available on the web, on the app, have a lot more verses and a lot of things for you this week to go back and study, have conversations with one another, talk in your life group through it, talk with your spouse about it, but go back and study this passage. But one of the things that you and I have to recognize is a call to baptize is a call for a response. No one's following in baptism without a response. It's not like we just present it and say peace and we walk away. There is a call to saving faith and repentance that would lead one to give testimony of the world that the old self is buried and behold, I am new in Christ. There is a charge in this to disciple to the point of transformation. Teach them who all nations, all people, everyone to observe. See, we teach for repentant life change. And we do all these things with all authority. Why? Our second big truth, because we are sent with Jesus' authority. I love the way John records this in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus says to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Right? Given all authority, Jesus submissive to the Father given all authority by the Father, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he said these things, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, who among other things brings with him the authority of Jesus indwelling us leading us, going before us. And so let's notice a few more big ideas, a few more implications. Just keep chasing through these quickly with me. First, the Great Commission is comprehensive. Make disciples of all nations. Verse 19. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Notice the audience Every person, every person, that's the audience. No one is excluded. Notice the message, all that I have commanded you. No part left out. See, you and I do not get to change the message to our own content. We, we don't get to teach our own content. There's no authority in our own content. Not only do we not get to just make up our own content, but we are not charged to just teach the parts we like. We don't get to just teach our choice of the content. No, we teach all that has been revealed by the authority of Jesus, that we know absolute truth through his word. 
See, to be a disciple is to pursue obedience to Jesus' teaching. Not just some of it, but all of it. It's part of the cost of discipleship. Which, by the way, we see kind of this spotlight right in the middle of these examples about the cost of discipleship. Right here in the middle of chapter 8, next week as we come back from Easter, we're going to spend some time right there. But just notice its connection to Jesus' authority as we're seeing these examples laid out. Because to be faithful to the Great Commission is to teach everything that has been revealed under Jesus' authority. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4 when he says, we disciple to the full stature of Christ. Let me say it another way. Those who disconnect, teach them to observe all whether that's teach them to observe or all, meaning all that has been revealed by Christ. Those who would disconnect, teach them to observe all from the Great Commission, unfaithfully dumbed down Jesus' authority and the gospel, robbing Jesus of the worship he is due. The Great Commission is comprehensive. Let's go back to the first part. All the nations. Those who would disconnect all nations from the Great Commission unfaithfully dumbed down Jesus' authority and the gospel, robbing Jesus of the worship he is due. See, we are charged to teach all of it to all of them. And that is a daunting task. And so we do what broken, sinful people do when faced with daunting tasks. We make excuses. You don't have to teach us to do this. We start doing this when we're like one. I mean, we do this from the beginning. And let's just be honest, this is a daunting task. We say things like, well, I don't know it all. I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know how. I don't know exactly how I'm going to say that. What if I don't know how to answer their questions? What if I say something wrong? See, it's our broken nature to dumb down the mission, listen, to get it under our authority and control. And isn't that really what's happening there? It's bigger than us, it's beyond us, we don't quite have our arms around it in full, and so no longer is it under our authority and our control, and somebody might ask us something we might not know. I might be in a situation I can't control. I might, I might not be able to control how that person responds, and they may think bad of me. I might lose my friendship, I, I might make them upset. Whatever it is, isn't that what's really happening? See, there's a problem. We cannot explain every detail of our faith. We can't. And so therefore, in trying to articulate it, to, as we try to proclaim the gospel, we say that word a lot, but just unpack that and understand all that God has revealed about himself. All of it. As we try to say it, we are left feeling self-conscious, embarrassed, inadequate, 
ashamed. Here's what we're doing. We're stuck in our pride because we're trying to turn it back to ourselves again and again. And see, that problem is a deep problem because, listen, this side of eternity, we will never be able to explain every detail of the gospel. You will not be able to explain every detail of your faith. And if we do not face this reality, we will not faithfully make Jesus known. See, if you're waiting to have all the answers, if you're waiting till there's no more fear, till you only have comfortable outcomes in front of you that you can control, if you're waiting to have enough relational equity, you'll just keep waiting. And listen, waiting is the opposite of going. And we rob Jesus of the worship that he is due in his authority. See, as we wait, we rob. We wait to have it all figured out. We wait to feel comfortable. We're waiting for our authority. And yet, we are charged to go, go. Make much of him. And so I want to encourage you. Jesus was asked, Who are you to speak with such authority in John chapter 7? They're astonished by his teaching. They're asking, who are you to speak this way? Here was Jesus' response. John 7, verse 16. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, defense of his authority is to say, I am not here speaking my own words, but in submission to the Father, with his authority and his words I speak. Can we not follow in such an example and be empowered by the Holy Spirit that now indwells you and I as believers? And so a couple more big ideas really quick out of this. The word of God is not under my authority. Verse 19, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the disciple responds under the authority of God. It's not the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Daniel. (laughs) You and I don't add anything to this. We don't take anything away from it. All authority is found in him. And it is that authority that changes lives. Do you realize God doesn't need us? He doesn't need us. He has all authority. The very fact that we get to be part of it is a blessing. But our response to go and proclaim and call the world to be his disciples is an act of worship. Third, the Holy Spirit is my helper Verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you're a child of God, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit speaks for you. It's his authority. It's his message. We just get to worship him. And so 
I want you to see this play itself out, and I want to give you one succinct example. Matthew is going to stretch this theme throughout his entire gospel. I want to let Paul just kind of break this down. He can review this and put it all together so much better than I can, right? And so Colossians chapter 1, we're going to see this same presentation, just more precise. I'm going to begin reading in verse 15 and just kind of remember this kind of theme that we've chased through Matthew just really quick here, this Neighbors and Nations Closing Sunday. Colossians 1 verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul is proclaiming Jesus has authority over his creation. And so I want you to watch his response of worship. Continuing in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that that was given to me for you. Paul, a minister of the gospel according to the gifts given to him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, watch, to what end? Are you ready? Start listening. To make the word of God fully known, all of it. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so listen, listen. We are sent with Jesus' authority, verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Isn't that last sentence a powerful sentence? Paul in worship, proclaiming the gospel, working toward it, but not left alone in his own energy, but empowered by the very Holy Spirit whose authority reigns over heaven and earth. Paul pursues Jesus' authority to make the word of God fully known to everyone. May we do the same, those of us who have been reconciled and given the ministry of reconciliation, ambassadors of Jesus, unleashed with his authority to proclaim the good news to every person on the planet. 
So I'm going to ask Pastor Mike.